This is Health in the Details podcast. This podcast is for real people, real women, and mothers who want to walk the streets of holistic health and healing. Discovering holistic health details that are doable and maybe hide in the back alleys of the streets, but can uplift, provide insight, and change your life. A place for you to expand and truly understand. This podcast is about upleveling your health so you can live your best self and make an impact how you want in your life and others. I'm your host, Stephanie Spurgeon. Like for adults, because it seems to get talked about more sleep apnea in adults, sleep disorder breathing in children actually gets overlooked a lot. It gets misdiagnosed as ADHD. Um because actually it looks very similar. If a child doesn't sleep well during the night, they, you know, parasympathetic is trying to keep them awake during the day. So they look agitated and fidgety. And, and so it looks like attention disorder. It looks like a behavioral problem in yeah. school. So they get sent to a behaviorist <laughs> and again, someone not looking in the mouth. And so they can get put on medications and it's like, and that might not even be the issue. Oral rest posture. You know, there are so few people who I've ever said, do you know what the proper oral rest posture is? Nobody knows. You know, I wasn't even. Hi, Stephanie Spurgeon here. And I am so excited to introduce and have on the show today, Lori Miller, who's a myofunctional therapist. She has been a registered dental hygienist for 30 years, and not far after that, she took her first course in myofunctional therapy, and she had her eyes open to myofunctional disorders in the mouth that were causing health issues in patients from airway breathing, ADD, to facial development, and she works mainly with children developing a correct oral posture and facial structure for the rest of their life, but also works with adults to re-educate. Her work is a must in almost all health aspects as our mouth and our airway is the window to our health. She is extremely passionate and has helped thousands of people in their health journey. I'm so excited to have her on today. And I too believe, like my dentist once said to me, that everybody should have a myofunctional therapist. So please have a listen, and I'm excited for you to join. Not sure how to say it. Some people say oral, oral facial myologist. Some people say oral facial myofunctional therapist. So there's there's kind of a couple things bouncing around there, and they're they're all accurate. You know, you know myo meaning muscles. So working with muscles of the mouth and the tongue and swallowing, and that includes airway, you know, mouth breathing, nasal breathing. And when there's dysfunction present, you know, correcting it. Sometimes it ends up being from a tongue tie or some structural reason why people can't do something. And so the field is pretty interdisciplinary where you might need to refer to someone for a release or for structural body work and then come back to continue with the neuromuscular re-education. And um, so it's pretty interactive and it definitely is dealing with more than one thing at a time. Yeah, great. I mean, I know um, Lori has been my therapist, um, basically my tongue physical therapist for over a year now, right? So um, it's a great it's a great thing to think of. It's basically physical therapy for your mouth and your tongue. Yes. Uh, 
So let's go a little bit into how you actually got into this. I'd love to hear how sure. it came up. Yeah. I was doing just a, one of my CE classes for dental hygiene and someone came up at the end of it and started talking about monofunctional therapy. And I'd never heard of it. And this was like eight years ago. And I was like, what? How do I not know about this? And so I got intrigued and started researching it. And the more I learned about it, especially after my first course, my eyes were just opened up to these, we call them myofunctional disorders, oral facial myofunctional disorders, OMDs. But basically when you see something that's not going right in the mouth, in the airway, in the breathing structures, you know, finding out why that's happening. And as a hygienist, I'm postured really well to look in the mouth and, and see the signs. And <clears throat> all of a sudden I was finding out there's reasons why people gag when I take their x-rays or, but that's because, you know, the gag reflex has been, you know, overactive from their issues or, um, you know, seeing the scalloped ridges on the sides of people's tongues. I didn't know that was from their tongue resting too low in the mouth. Mm -hmm. um and just recognizing mouth breathing I see it from across the room now you know an open you know the lips are open maybe chapped sometimes their nose even starts to get smaller over the years and I mean you know the way I look at the front of someone you know down a little low I can actually see if they have a deviated septum often and and I never was told to pay attention to this I never was told there was a connection with these things so all these, you know, light bulb moments were going on. And I was like, wow, there's actually something we can do about this. And that was inspiring. Yeah. I mean, it is really inspiring because it is so doable, right? Um, mm. It's things that aren't, aren't really talked about. I mean, I've, I saw a dentist, you know, since I was a kid and I saw you later in life, but I've had all of these things going on since I was little, but all these dentists and all these hygienists didn't recognize them. And yeah. that makes such a difference. And I think it's extremely, I know you talked a little bit about the breathing and the mouth breathing, and this is actually a, a very big thing right now, you know, with the book Breathe coming out, which is extremely accessible for everyone. So all of a sudden now there's this awakening towards mouth breathing. And I think it's great because there's you know, you who can help somebody train and retrain their muscles so that they don't mouth breathe anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. And let's talk about who you mainly work with. Okay. Um, I think you, you mainly work with kids occasionally, uh, the yeah. occasional adults, um, because it's a little more progressive, um, right. from over the years, but just as important. Right. Um, but it's great to, you know, get it, get it while it's young. Right. So I think that's right. It's, it's something that goes on across the lifespan. And, um, so what it looks like for babies, infants, when they're born, if they don't latch for breastfeeding over 90% of the time, it's a tongue tie. And if they are educated ahead of time, because there's a very strong hereditary pull for this, you know, that if this happens, you know, have a team ready, have someone that's there that can release it. And so during the time it's happening, you're not looking for a provider, you know, wondering what's going on. I'd love to educate. If I see someone with a tongue tie and they're pregnant, they get the talk, you know, be ready for it. 
um, know what you're going to do. And sometimes it doesn't manifest right away. Sometimes it's not till mom goes home and then they start having issues with breastfeeding. So, you know, that whole window is the right time to get a possibly a tongue tie release. And then at that age, the therapy is breastfeeding. So, <laughs> you know, it's pretty straightforward, but always good to be in consultation with an IBCLC to make sure make sure things are going properly. And then, you know, the next time it really starts showing, it could be some feeding things, you know, as a toddler. And then what parents will notice usually around getting ready to go to school is there's a speech piece of it that's not there. And they might not notice that their kids, because um, they can understand their kids are very used to how they talk, but what they might notice is that other people aren't understanding their children. So when I'm asking them questions, I don't say, you know, is your child having some trouble with speech? I always say, do other people have trouble understanding your child? Because that's a lot more telling, right? Mm -hmm. And so, <clears throat> you know, sometimes speech can get addressed in school, but there are a lot of speech therapists that are not looking in the mouth. Mm -hmm. So they might not, they'll just keep trying to correct the speech and not look at the structure. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really hoping that will change over time. SLPs are just this just starting to get into their curriculum to look for tongue ties and some of the more obvious orofacial disorders. Um, and then we start looking at mid-face development. And this is really the part of it that I'm passionate about um, because if the tongue is in the right place and the development happens in the right way, it can just set them on the right path for their craniofacial growth. And I'd like to talk about that a little bit more yeah. if this is the right time. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I think that's perfect because it is so important. And let's definitely talk about that tongue posture and the whole development of the facial structure because yeah, I mean, you're setting someone else up for a lifetime of, of health. Absolutely. So, so um, oral rest posture, you know, there are so few people who I've ever said, do you know what the proper oral rest posture is? Nobody knows, you know, I wasn't even taught it and I'm a hygienist. <clears throat> so, but it is really important. So this is something you can just even share with your family and friends if you want to. But what we should be doing, we should have our tongue on the incisive pap papilla, which if you take your tongue behind the top two teeth and then just raise it up to that first bump of tissue, I call that the spot in therapy because that's actually where the tongue should, tip of the tongue should be all the time. And even with a little pressure, like it's kind of anchored there. And then ideally our tongue is lightly suctioned up in the palate. And I don't mean like sucking up really hard, but like if you were just holding a teaspoon of water up there. So tongue is up basically. Mm -hmm. um, and then as you move through the mouth, the next piece of that is our jaw should be mostly closed, but the teeth do not touch and a gentle lip seal. So what that looks like is someone that has no tension in their face, a, a soft lip seal, and they're breathing through their nose. And, <clears throat> and so that's, that's just our baseline. And nobody knows that. But if you start doing it and start being aware of making sure your nose is for breathing, your mouth is for eating, what happens if our mouth takes over the breathing, then um, tonsils become enlarged because they're doing the filtering that, you know, is meant to be done upstairs a little bit. And it, it just kind of cascades into other issues. Um, and I think most of us know that we should be nasal breathing. Um, there's two types of mouth breathers, someone who's congested and they have to breathe through their mouth. 
they they need to deal with the air the sinus airway issue before they can become you know a nasal breather um but the other type of people doing that are ones that maybe when they were really young had like a history of sinus infections and so they just became a habitual mouth breather so that's a little easier i can just retrain them to you know close their mouth breathe through their nose um and just being told to do that that can make a huge change just you know, change someone over to good nasal breathing, getting that nitric oxide and, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, that's, that's a really good step. Um, from a speech perspective, the oral rest posture, people, children will likely start their speech from wherever their posture is. So if they're starting from kind of a weird oral rest posture, their speech might sound a little different. That's where you hear a little lisping or, you know, sometimes their nasally sounds are coming too far back. Um, so it's important for speech as well. It's important for digestion because if our swallow isn't proper, we, we swallow, we chew, we don't break things up enough, you can end up with digestion issues or even a little bit of near choking experiences if you can't swallow properly. So, <clears throat> and for hygiene, you know, if someone is a mouth breather, they have more decay, especially on the front teeth. It just, you know, the dry mouth is an environment that promotes more decay. So it's yeah. not just about airway, but I just think that is the most important thing for all of us. Um, Many other things. And the bacteria that mouth breathing causes can cause cardiovascular issues. Yes. And it's all just so, it goes all the way around in a wheel, right? It does. It is. I wanted to touch on that. That's so important is a lot of us never learned how to hold our tongue. And it yeah. was just, it's a big deal. And it, nobody ever said, hey, let's hold our tongue up and let's, you know, so kids often are left to grow up, you know, we're not knowing what to do with our tongue. Exactly. So it ends up developing bad habits and you're there to retrain it and I also wanted to quickly touch on before we move on to the mid um is that you did say that you do refer people out sometimes which is great um for releases and things like that um and I think it's important that you did mention that there are tongue ties in young kids and I think a lot of the time um like when my son was born it was you know, he didn't have a front tongue tie, so it wasn't caught, but it's like myself, when you're looking in someone's mouth, a pregnant mother, maybe they have a lateral tongue tie. So there's also different levels of tongue ties that may be inhibiting your ability mm -hmm. to hold your tongue on the spot. Right. And keep let me it. talk about the types of tongue ties real quick. Yeah, yeah please yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. And I think that there's, um, yeah, there's a lot of weird information out there about tongue ties. So I'll just like let you know where I'm at on that. Um, sometimes people, even dentists or doctors, you know, someone might look at a mouth and see that the front part of the tongue can go up and down freely. And they're like, that's not a tongue tie. That's not a, you know, that tongue is fine. And this is a really important piece of that. The important part of the tongue that needs to elevate for swallowing is the middle part of the tongue. And that's the hardest part to diagnose as far as a tongue tie. So you can imagine if the middle part cannot raise up into the palate, it cannot collect the food and water to push it back to the throat. And people would end up compensating with, you know, different movements and sucking actions and tongue thrusting to, to kind of get 
everything back where it's supposed to be. So imagine someone that has a restricted middle part of their tongue, but the front one third of their tongue just anatomically happens to be a little longer. So you can see it going up and down and you think, oh, there's no tongue tie. Mm -hmm. So I never evaluate a tongue tie by how it looks. I evaluate it by how it works. Yeah. So I actually stick my fingers in there kind of on each side of the tongue, like a forklift and I'm lifting. Can that tongue get off the floor of the mouth? And I've done so many that I can tell, you know, you might have a hard time telling on yourself, but mm -hmm. um, if someone just looks without challenging the function, you know, in my mind, they're not really evaluating. The right. tongue tie. Yeah. 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 And then sometimes it takes me several weeks of therapy to figure out <clears throat> is the function close enough that if we just did some therapy, can they gain enough function that it doesn't have to be released? There's some of them that are very obvious. So you can imagine a tongue that even the tip of it is not leaving the floor of the mouth. It stays really low. <clears throat> I mean, they literally would have trouble sticking their tongue out to lick an ice cream cone. Um, that's kind of obvious. You know, that person is probably going to need, you know, a release to get any kind of function. But more people have the ones that are a little harder to evaluate. Mm -hmm. And so someone should be doing some functional tests to make sure. Yeah. I'm probably one of those and I'm so lucky to find Lori actually, right? Um, I had so many years of a tongue tie that was gone undiagnosed. And as an adult, I was able to get, as you know, a tongue release and it made all the difference. It's a huge world of difference. Absolutely. And that's right. I didn't really finish the lifespan, but you know, you have the ideal time as a child, and then there's a toddler time that's not super good for a release because they they can't do too many exercises and don't maybe want you to do them to them. <laughs> and um, and but then you know from age six on, there's a lot we can do. Um, it it can be a treatment plan that inclu includes orthodontists and ENTs in the teenage years. But as adults, you know, when people I would say that adults that have gotten to their adult years, they're compensating. They found, you know, ways to get around it. Maybe they're tired of compensating. Maybe they want better airway health. You know, there's still reasons that they will come and want that improvement. And neuromuscular reeducation takes longer on someone that's been doing that for decades, but it's doable, as you know. Absolutely. <laughs> and I still, I mean... To touch on that, I mean, exercises are really enjoyable, actually, and they are sort of a neurological re-education as well, and um, it's great because it just goes full circle again, right? Building those dendrites, you know, mm. brush your teeth with your other hand, and you're building new pathways and doing those tongue exercises, which are easy and hard sometimes, but easy right. enough that you are really getting a lot of good feedback in yourself because you're building new neural pathways. Absolutely. And I think it's amazing. And I think that was really yeah. important that you touched on um, those toddler years. I actually um, know a mother that came to me after my tongue release um, and they tried to do that. They tried to release a toddler's tongue and it went right back to where it was. It was impossible for them to do the stretches to their toddler it was impossible for the toddler to do that 
you know, so I think that was a really important thing. Um, I'm glad you shared that because that, that is a challenge that age. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I'm glad you did too, because for everybody out there, that's, you know, it's good that you identified it, but it's just like you say, like, okay, well, let's wait till he, you know, that they're six because, because we want success. We want it, right. you know, you go through, even though it's a very minor procedure to have a release done, it's still a, a, a surgical procedure. And if you go through that, you want the best outcome. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now let's continue on to our structure. Our okay. So I think my, even though this goes on through the lifespan, my biggest passion is, is the age where I can have the most impact on someone's future airway health. And we know that kids that have obstructive sleep apnea will grow into adults with sleep apnea almost always. And, and those numbers are, are sadly very high. And, um, we also know that treating sleep disorder breathing younger with things like palatal expansion and, and things like that are easier to do when they're younger than as adults. They become actually surgical procedures as adults and um, or very long-term procedures. So um, so if I can, you know, if, if an, parents come to me, they, they recognize there's an airway issue and we can dial into what the cause might be and maybe the ideal treatment is getting the palate a little bit wider. The earlier we can do that, like six or seven years old, the better. It's, and then it, it's still doable, perfectly doable at 12, but then we'll start becoming more challenging. But I wanna explain why the oral rest posture plays such a huge part in the way the child's face is developing. Mm -hmm. So if you think of the tongue, it's actually a pretty strong muscle. And when it's up in the palate where it's supposed to be, it's like a natural expander, or I also yeah. explain it like it's scaffolding up there. So the tongue spreads up there every time they swallow. There's a little bit of tension on the inside of those upper teeth. We swallow over 1500 times a day. So it's just holding that space and making the palate wider. When a tongue is down low by habit or by restriction, there's the only pressure on the teeth is the cheeks. And every time they swallow, the cheeks actually push in. And so things start collapsing. Instead of a wide palate, you have something that really looks like a U. And because that space is squished, it often ends up being like a vault. So it's high, they have a high palate. So if you think of our anatomy and what the palate looks like, right above it is a sinus. So our palate is actually the floor of the sinus. If someone has a very narrow palate and it's vaulted up high, all that space is taking away from the sinuses and the airway. Mm -hmm. And I know we've all heard of a deviated septum. The yeah. septum is that little thin bone right in the middle of our nose. The only reason it's deviated is that it doesn't have room to be tall. Mm -hmm. So when I see a deviated septum, I almost know why. <laughs> it's like, we are meant to be wide with our teeth. You go back a couple hundred um, years, you know, we all have wide arches, room for all of our teeth. So I'm not sure why the trend is that we have more and more tongue ties. I don't know, but with that tongue being low, it is causing a collapse of our airway. And that is what I was going to talk about, the mid-craniofacial development. So mm -hmm. if you think of your palate and then up to about your eye level, the mm -hmm. maxillary area, maxillary bones, they 
need to develop why during the ages of five, you know, up to like nine or 10 is the ideal time for that space to be wide. So if a dentist sees that someone's getting a little crowded early and can put a little palatal expander in there, which would look like bands on the last molars on the top with this little crank <laughs> up in the palate with a little key that just gets turned a little bit every week. You know, it's a little tender at the beginning when they first do it, but the rest of the week is fine. They just keep, you know, moving that space open. If they can get the kiddo wide and then there's room for all the teeth, the airway space is going to be big. That is the absolute best time to do it. And I wish everyone was doing that, but not every dentist is looking for that yet. Yeah. I mean, that's great too. I mean, for everybody out there as well, like if you can, I mean, you know, your situation may not be an expander and it may be right. learning to, like you said, having your tongue as a natural expander. Yeah. Uh, but either way, I mean, you can talk about all of the braces and all of the things that you might be able to not partake in later in life, right? Mm, absolutely. Um, and it's it's crazy to think because these all seem like the norm nowadays, but it's just getting to the root of the cause. I mean, root cause, right? Mm -hmm. And um, then maybe your maybe your child doesn't have to have braces or. I know. I know. And it's like, wow, your teeth are really beautiful or um, not crowded. And yeah, I mean, it's just wonderful. It's just wonderful to think about progress. Yes. And I think that, you know, when you think about sleep disordered breathing in a child, I mean, we know that it's, we're more aware of what it's like for adults because it seems to get talked about more sleep apnea in adults. Sleep disordered breathing in children actually gets overlooked a lot. It gets misdiagnosed as ADHD um, because actually it looks very similar. If a child doesn't sleep well during the night, they, you know, parasympathetic is trying to keep them awake during the day. So they look agitated and fidgety. And, and so it looks like attention disorder. It looks like a behavioral problem in yeah. school. So they get sent to a behaviorist <laughs> and again, someone not looking in the mouth. And so they can get put on medications and it's like, and that might not even be the issue. I think people are really starting to pay attention now to differentiate that, but there were two big studies that showed that 50% of the kids were not ADHD that were on medications. Yeah. They were sleep disordered breathing. So that's really important. And also just the most important developmental time for them to not be breathing well at night. You know, I always encourage my clients to get videos of their children sleeping from the shoulders up and see, are they reposturing their head to try to open their airway? Are they making noise? Children, when they breathe, should always be quiet. You know, snoring isn't cute. It's like, you know, it's a, it's an obstruction of some type. And, you know, digging a little deeper to see if it's actually reducing oxygen and, mm, yeah. and you know, moving forward. Dark circles under the eyes are, honestly, I'm going to show my age here, but my mom would just say, if you have dark circles, you put makeup under there, yeah. you know, kind of yeah. cover it up. You know, and those dark circles are venous pooling. They are an active sign of airway inflammation. So it's not good for anyone to have that. And it should be explored. Yeah. So, I don't, I don't think that's an age thing. I think that's still a thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's extremely 
important and what you mentioned um like if you could you know what what are some signs of actual sleeping when you do see a sleep disordered breathing in a child you know um the snoring their mouth is open Mm -hmm. um yeah, like you said, they're agitated during the day. Are there any other things that people could look for that would really didn't You know, I think absolutely. And I, I do believe that the dental world should, and they are becoming more focused on airway stuff, but <clears throat> it's a big topic now. And you, you can Google airway dentist, airway orthodontist, because yeah. we are positioned to see those things more. But what what you would see if a patient came in that would be a red flag for me, clenching and grinding. So signs of wear patterns on the teeth. And the, you're probably thinking, well, what does that have to do with airway? Yeah. Yeah. But when someone is trying to breathe and there's some obstruction, the body is actually, if you can kind of take your jaw and jut it forward and back and forth, forward and back, if your jaw is trying to open the airway. So the clenching and grinding is actually a sign of distress for your body. It's like, I, my airway's not open. I need to get it open. And it's even been observed on an MRI video of a pregnant woman whose baby was in oxygen deprivation. And on the MRI video, the baby who's not even breathing with their young lungs yet yeah. is jutting their jaw forward is clenching, grinding, pushing the jaw forward. So we know that we know that's what it is. And dentists are supposed to be looking for it. Um, And so mouth breathing, um, dark circles under the eyes, deviated septums, which we get a pretty good view at the scalloping on the tongues we talked about. And just someone that just comes in sleepy and tired, you know, kids, kids should be rested, well rested. I think um, dry clock, like dry lips right yes oh I thought we mentioned that yes definitely and um I definitely want it because that's really important for adults as well I think the jaw and the the sleep disordered breathing for adults and sleep apnea I think Mm -hmm. that's a great point to mention because Mm -hmm. there is so many people that clench their jaw at night grind their teeth Mm -hmm. they're just getting um you know retainers and I think it's a great thing to mention because you need to look at the root cause and maybe why you are grinding your teeth. Yes, some of it may be stress related, yeah. but um, yeah, maybe some of but it. But it's is- important to screen for that. In fact, the, the ADA, American Dental Association, actually tasked dentists with the responsibility of doing an airway screening before they put a night guard in. Yeah. And I don't know if they're all doing it. I, I know a lot uh, that aren't. And so they're supposed to make sure there isn't a breathing issue before they just plunk in the night guard. And then they're supposed to see tests later to see if it has changed. Um, But that is how prevalent it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's something great to mention, whether you're a child or you're an adult. I mean, that jaw thing. um, I actually have a lot of people that come to me, you know, like, oh, I clench my jaw at night. And it's important to step back and look at that. so I think that's really important if you're an adult as well. And it's not too late, right? It's not too it's late. Not. Never too late to retrain your tongue, yes. to retrain your muscles. Um, I mean, yes, you might need to use mouth tape to make sure you're a, an, uh, you know, a nose breather at night because of so many years of doing maybe mouth breathing at night. But seeing someone like you as well, it's so important because you can really strengthen your lip seal 
as well. Yes, yes. So I think that's really important to touch on as well because I'm sure the kids that you see, and I'm sure you see a lot of really positive impact mm-hmm. training those muscles mm-hmm. so that maybe they do not have to have mouth tape when they are an adult. Exactly. And that's a beautiful thing as they are they have strong enough lips and strong enough facial muscles to hold that lip seal. Exactly. You know, and one way just to start, you know, if this is like a totally new concept for you is like have a couple times a day where you think about it, like maybe for sure before you go to bed, mm-hmm. um, you think, okay, you know, I want my lip seal, but make sure your nose is clear before you go to bed, you know, whether that's just a gentle saline spray or, or xylitol or something. And when you go to bed, just before you go to sleep, is my tongue up? Do I have a lip seal? Are my teeth not touching? There's like actually freeway space between. And then just think about relaxing all those muscles around your face and your mouth and your jaw just before you go to sleep mm-hmm. and start getting in the habit of, you know, starting your sleep that way is a good way to start. It's almost like a mini meditation, really. Exactly. You're really just releasing and relaxing. We think about breathing and relaxing our body, and we've got to definitely check in with that jaw, right? Yes, definitely. And um, yeah, one thing about clearing your airway that I think is, I mean, the Bukudo method, you know, he has some exercises on YouTube. Yeah. Sometimes those work great. Um, Yeah. whatever you do you you have to be clear you know and he just does those little head nods you know know, holding the nose and he's like okay good I'm good to go I'm clear so sometimes you don't even have to use with children you know any sort of solution or anything so I think that's um yeah I mean that's it's so wonderful and I love what you do Lori and I think that it's so important for how people like you and Um, I think it's important to, it's just like you said, looking for a dentist, if you are looking to get started, you know, and you do, you do check some of those boxes that we just talked about and you're like, okay, where do I go from here? How do I get started? Um, you know, you're maybe looking for a sleep apnea dentist in your area or maybe a biological dentist. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. And I think yeah, just along those lines, I was thinking, you know, what what could people ask parents with kids kids that are four or five, six years old, you know, at the dentist, you know, so this was my little list here. I think a parent could say, does my child appear to have proper palatal width for their age? Mm-hmm. You know, and they should know what that is, and they should be able to answer that. They could ask the dentist or hygienist, do you see signs of clenching or grinding in my child's mouth? Because we know that is a sign of airway issues. Mm-hmm. And they're, they know what that looks like. It actually just looks like smooth, <laughs> chiseled teeth sometimes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in the old days, they would say, oh, that's fine if they grind on their primary teeth because they don't do it on their, you know, they'll grow out of it. And that's kind of old thinking um, in my mind. Um and then asking the dentist as I get a little bit older, does is my child on track to have room for all their teeth? And if if someone got a response from their dentist like, oh, I don't even refer to ortho until all the teeth are in, like 12 or 13, I think that's a red flag because yeah. we know more now. And in fact, the um, the American Association of Orthodontists, their new recommendation is that children get their first checkup for ortho 
status and development by age seven, before age seven. So we're looking at like five or six. And that's new thinking for a lot of people. And if your dentist is doing that, he's on it or she's on it. You know, they're paying attention. They're keeping up with the new information. But if if the response is, oh, we don't really check into that till 12 or 13. You know, we're looking at very different treatment plans at that age. And that should be uh, maybe a second opinion. Yeah. And I think as well, um, I mean, it's great. So you're looking for dentists like that, but as well for anybody that has children that are maybe in speech therapy as well, mm-hmm. time to go to the dentist and, mm-hmm. um, or find a good dentist, right? Yeah. And look, and I think that's all great. And then, I mean, it's like you said, you can start with a good takeaway is just thinking about where your tongue is, right? And trying mm-hmm. to trying to put it on where it actually belongs um and Lori is a gem with children getting them to actually do their exercises and making it fun um which I think is a difficult task for children sometimes to think yeah. that these things are fun um, yeah it is a different approach for kids I think adults that come to me they're motivated because you know usually they've done their own research before they found me and um so, you know, it's fun to work with them too. And they give super good feedback and uh, it's, it's different at all ages, as I said, but another big sign, if I can just say one more thing or are we wrong? Yes, no, no. Okay. Another sign that there could be a tongue tie is thumb sucking. <clears throat> and the reason I think this is so interesting, I'd love to explain it. When you yeah. put your tongue on the incisive papilla, that's actually a foramen in there, which means nerves, you know, blood vessels coming out of there. When you press your tongue there, there's actually a release of endorphins and serotonin, which in our brain calms us and soothes us. So when the tongue can't get up, I think like the body wants the tongue there. So that's like this built-in reward, right? <laughs> and um, when the tongue can't get there and be there because of a restriction, the, t- the thumb goes there. And the reason why thumb sucking habits are so hard to quit, it's not just, oh, it's just such a strong habit. It's like the kids are getting something out of it. They do it at night before they go to bed because it calms them. And, and they hold a little blanket when they do it. The whole package is soothing. And so when I do a habit elimination program, when that's in place, I'm so far 100% successful because I replace the thumb with the tongue. So they actually still get that releasing calmness and, um, and that's why the habit can transition so nicely to having the tongue up, which promotes that good posture that we want. Yeah. I mean, that's beautiful because yeah, you do want a mood steady child as well. You know, you want them to be able to have that. I mean, when they do stop, if they do have issues and dysfunction and they stop sucking their tongue you know they're not going to have that replacement as they get older either and as an adult who never put their tongue on the spot until what two years ago um you maybe you will start to notice Mm -hmm. some improvement in your mood your calmness I mean it is absolutely crazy how how this one mechanism can trigger neurochemicals and all that stuff. And it's, it's amazing. It really is. It's truly something that should be talked about, should be done. If you're experiencing any of these symptoms, you know, have it checked out, right? Absolutely. 
Yeah. And I think it's great because, um, uh, yeah. And you can, if you're just like, I just want to get straight to the point. I don't even want to find a dentist. You definitely can just Google. I mean, what would you Google Lori, if someone was looking for a therapist? Yeah. <clears throat> I think that, um, the IAOM is certification body with a pretty stringent um, process, case studies. It's basically like a master's program. The AOMT is a good certifying body. And um, so, you know, someone that can, you know, actually show that they've done a bit of training, you know, not like a weekend seminar or anything. <laughs> and um, there's two people, there's two groups of people that kind of funnel into myofunctional therapy, and it's usually dental hygienists because of our background in anatomy and obviously the things that we've already talked about, but also SLPs, speech language pathologists are the other big group, and so they come from a little different background, um, but, you know, I think looking for some credentials will um, get you someone that, that knows what they're doing. Yeah, or you can just um, come to Lori, right? Yeah. And there's some really, you know, I'm in groups where if someone needs a therapist in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we just post it on a Facebook and someone pops up. So we, you know, we refer to people locally. I do a lot of telehealth um, with adults. A lot of kids will do better in person. So, but um, there are lots of options out there. And it's kind of like a you know, there's a collaborative group you would find with airway orthodontists, airway ENTs, sometimes tonsils mm -hmm. and that seem to be removed and, and that. And then, you know, the high, the myofunctional therapists, I mean, they all know each other, work together, refer to make it easy. And um, it's out there. Once you start looking, you'll just like, you know, your feed will just be full of <laughs> myofunctional resources and uh, good information out there. Parents come to me and adults come to me so well-educated I am so impressed. Yeah. I mean, I, I think over half my referrals, I'm in Montana now, I still have clients in Washington, but I think over half my referrals are self-referrals of people that figured this out on their own just by Googling, why can I not do this? Why is this happening? You know, and then boom, you need a, an evaluation from a, a therapist and, and maybe that sends them in a different direction, but it's a great start. Yeah, I mean, it's wonderful. I mean, yeah, people are like, why can I not chew with my mouth closed, right? Um, mm -hmm. And it sends you on a whole path. I mean, it's just so interconnected. It and, really is. I mean, Lori's practice is white, whitefish mm -hmm. in Montana, and that link will be posted um, with this episode. She is wonderful with adults, but just like she said, with kids, if you are looking for something in person, you know, what you can yeah. really... Google and what you're definitely looking for because you do need to and I think those questions that you gave people earlier on are great because sometimes you really do need to advocate absolutely yourself. yeah and um yeah and there's a lot of stuff out there a lot of great stuff a lot of dentists using some great stuff that will prevent you know uh braces and retainers and all that that's yeah, sad. and there's a whole concept of, especially in the work you do as well, that we're not just a mouth and we're not just eyes. We're, you know, we're, it's the whole body and one thing connects to the other. And, and, and I think that's so important looking at whole people. Oh, well, <laughs> air, air is number one, right? And food. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what keeps us alive. Um, 
and it makes your brain happier and healthier so yeah. it's just so beautiful and mm -hmm. it's so great that you do what you do Lori. Um, well, thank you thanks for inviting me yeah I wanted to thank you for being on today and um, like I said a lot of those links that we talked about and some steps to take next will be posted with the episode and thank you so much Lori. absolutely so love you today thank yeah. you thank you and uh, that's my first podcast I've never done that so Ah, it was so wonderful to have Lori Miller on Health in the Details today. She is a wonderful myofunctional therapist who has helped so many people correct dysfunction in the mouth and work on correct tongue postures, including myself. I think the one of the biggest takeaways today is how empowering it is to be able to find a myofunctional therapist near you, anywhere that you are, and be able to get a consult to possibly see any dysfunction and or work with them. Also to find a dentist who's on board with a team or having a team of a myofunctional therapist. I think second takeaway is that it can be so wonderful to catch it early in children and how easy it can be for them to do the exercises to develop create and foster correct facial structure swallowing digestion sleep all the things important for health and life and catching that early on is wonderful just excluding those toddler years and the third takeaway I think is advocating for yourself and your ability to find a myofunctional therapist and observe where your tongue posture is and just starting to connect the details of how important our mouth is to our overall health. It has been a gem to have Lori on today and I hope that this was as insightful as inspiring to you as it was to me. If you feel like this is a wonderful episode and you need to share it with your friends and they need to hear this as well, please click those three little dots on the Apple Paired Cost and please share it with your friends. It's greatly appreciated because this sort of stuff needs to be heard. These are the details of health that are hiding in the back streets and can change lives. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you for listening and I appreciate you for sharing and have a wonderful day.